This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, February 23rd, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. We've done away with slavery with the 13th Amendment, but when a prosecutor engages in a targeted and otherwise unwarranted prosecution of people for quitting an abusive job and then charges their lawyer for, you know, giving them advice, surely that prosecutor can be held to account, if not criminally, at least civilly. Ben Field is an attorney at the Institute for Justice. He describes a stunning example of the absolute immunity currently enjoyed by prosecutors. Careful listeners of the Cater Daily podcast will be familiar with qualified immunity, which is a doctrine that was invented by the U.S. Supreme Court out of whole cloth, to quote my colleague Clark Neely, uh, that protects public officials essentially from any civil liability for uh, violating the rights of uh, individuals. So what do prosecutors have? They have something called absolute immunity. And that as sounds the name, less qualified than qualified indeed. immunity. <laughs> In fact, that's the whole point, that even if they are even if when they charge someone, they are uh, blatantly violating the Constitution, and even if they have the most bad faith motives to go after someone for political reasons or for economic reasons or for any other, they are absolutely immune for any actions they take in their prosecutorial role. That seems uh, wrongheaded. It would seem that uh, a politically targeted prosecution, uh, the kinds of harassment that prosecutions can end up being, uh, especially when there's there's a very little basis for bringing charges. It, it would seem that prosecutors, therefore, have some sort of license to engage in this kind of behavior on a whim without concern for any kind of retribution. Absolutely. So if you were a defendant in a criminal case, the prosecutor could tell you in open court, I am prosecuting you because I don't like your political beliefs. And that prosecutor would not be subject to any liability for a constitutional claim uh, if in federal court. So what hope do we have to beat this back? Tell me about your case. Sure. So I think that, you know, in light of people starting to question immunities, especially qualified immunity, Hopefully, courts will start to see that there should also be limits and reconsideration of other immunities, including the absolute immunity that prosecutors get. And one of the opportunities for that is a petition for certiorari uh, that my colleagues and I have filed in the Supreme Court with a particularly egregious set of facts. So our clients are 10 nurses and their attorney. Uh, the nurses came from the Philippines to the United States to work for a nursing home company uh, in New York on Long Island. They found that all of the promises that they had been made were false. They were working under terrible working conditions, terrible housing. And so they did what everybody in this country has a right to do under the 13th Amendment. They quit their jobs. And you would think that would be the end of it. But this was a very, very, very politically well-connected company. They went to the New York nursing regulator. The regulator said the nurses didn't do anything wrong. They went to the police. They filed a lawsuit. All of those failed. But then they flexed their political muscle, got a meeting with the district attorney in Suffolk County, New York. And the district attorney then uh, charged them for quitting their job, saying they were endangering their, endangering their patients, and also charged their lawyer for filing a civil rights complaint on their behalf and giving them legal advice. 
charged the nurses themselves and their attorney? Yes. And that is, you know, almost unheard of. Um, And for two years, this ruined their lives. Just imagine how difficult it would be to work as a nurse when you have charges hanging over your head saying that you endangered patients, or to work as an attorney if you have felony charge or if you have serious uh, misdemeanor charges against you. Uh, and so for two years, you know, the these people could barely work uh, until eventually a New York appellate court said what I think is the common sense. Uh, resolution of this, which is that it clearly violates the First Amendment to charge a lawyer for offering legal advice and clearly violates the 13th Amendment to try to use the criminal law to prevent people from quitting an abusive job. And so the the prosecution ended there. The court said that this was beyond the prosecutor's jurisdiction. But when they then filed a civil rights suit in federal court against the prosecutors, they ran into just how absolute absolute immunity is. And so even though you had a state court ruling saying these were clear constitutional violations and well outside the prosecutor's authority, no recourse at all in federal court under the Constitution. All right. So you are representing who in this case? So we're representing, and uh, it's me and my colleagues at the Institute for Justice, as well as the attorneys who represented uh, them in the lower courts, the 10 nurses and their attorney who were prosecuted uh, and who are now trying to seek redress against the prosecutors. So what does redress look like in your view? So I think it should be just as for, you know, under Section 1983, which was a statute that was enacted during the Reconstruction era to give people an ability to seek compensation for the injuries they suffer for constitutional violations, uh, the plaintiffs here should be able to do that against the prosecutors. All right. So what what you know, when when we think about a prosecutorial misconduct, there is a, a term that I've heard called the Michael Nifong exception. Uh, this was the, the guy who brought charges against the uh, young men at Duke. Uh, he was, I believe, disbarred and I believe faced criminal charges and then spent one night in jail. And that's as bad as you really hear. Uh, at least commonly, about prosecutors being held to account for uh, attempting to, uh, you know, enhance their own careers through prosecutions that ultimately are baseless. Yeah, and it's a huge problem. When the Supreme Court invented absolute immunity for prosecutors, just as much out of whole cloth as qualified immunity, when they did that in 1976, they surmised that, well, you know, there will be bar complaints or there will be criminal prosecutions that can hold prosecutors accountable. But that almost never happens. And this is actually a case that shows that this was a prosecutor who had serious problems. In fact, uh, one of the defendant prosecutors is now currently in federal prison for misusing his office in another case. But they face no consequences whatsoever for using their power to go after our clients. So once again, when we talk about immunity, uh, we're not talking about the inability to charge people criminally. We're talking about the ability of individuals to seek redress for violations of rights that have been undertaken by these public officials. That's right. And Congress wrote a statute in 1871, saying that when someone's constitutional rights are violated in this country, that they can get compensation 
for the injuries that they suffer. And there are no exceptions in the text of the law. But in 1976, the Supreme Court invented for complete policy reasons without any basis in the statute, this absolute immunity for prosecutors, which did not exist at common law in 1871. Why is that? You might expect in an adversarial process in court that defense attorneys should have the same protection. If you does that make sense at all? Absolutely. And in fact, we point out in our petition for certiorari that this sets up a situation where a prosecutor could charge a defense attorney in a criminal case or could charge uh, a lawyer in a civil rights case because the prosecutor isn't happy with having to deal with an, you know with zealous advocacy, and there would be no recourse at all under civil rights laws. And this is actually an important point that, so when this case went up to the Second Circuit, which is the Court of Appeals that covers New York, uh, there was a strong dissent by Judge Chin, who pointed out that this licenses real abuse by prosecutors if they can charge somebody with crimes that aren't crimes uh, and that are clearly forbidden by the Constitution, that prosecutors are essentially given limitless powers. Ben Field is an attorney at the Institute for Justice. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.